0: You're listening to What Is Black Podcast, where we have conversations about issues important to raising healthy and thriving Black children and adolescents. I'm your host, Dr. Jacqueline Dujet, a board-certified pediatrician and mom. So let's get started. Welcome to another episode of What Is Black Podcast. My guest today is Dr. Aronica Cotton, a board-certified adult, child, and adolescent psychiatrist and an assistant professor in the psychiatry department at the University of Maryland Medical School. I recorded my interview with Dr. Cotton in June during National Minority Mental Health Month. This episode was important for me to discuss the topic of mental health in children and to provide parents resources to help their children. During our conversation, we'll talk about common mental health concerns in children, how parents can help find help for their children, Tips for how parents can stay engaged with their kids and the growing disparity of suicidal Black children, and the show notes are provide mental health resources for parents. So let's start the conversation.
1: Welcome to this episode of What Is Black podcast. I'm happy to have as our guest today, Dr. Ronica Cotton. Welcome, Dr. Cotton.
2: Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me.
1: So, Dr. Cotton, before we get started, if you can share a little bit of information about
2: your background um, for our listeners. Yes, uh, so currently I am an assistant professor, uh, at the University of Maryland, uh, School of Medicine, uh, and Psychiatry, uh, I have uh, board certifications in both adult and child psychiatry. Um, I did my adult training uh, at the combined MGH McLean program in, in uh, Boston, Massachusetts and I did my child fellowship training at the University of Maryland and uh, stayed on as faculty. I'm originally from Birmingham, Alabama and um, I've always been interested in, in medicine and psychiatry. My mom uh, worked in the hospital uh, so um, as I unit clerk, so uh, I, I feel like I've uh,
1: always been around medicine. Very good. Thank you so much for sharing that information. With the podcast, you know, just providing some, some information about why I thought this, why I wanted to speak with you and definitely your background as being a child and adolescent psychiatrist was was important to me, especially around the issue of mental health, especially in mm-hmm. the um, black community. Mm-hmm. And as as I mentioned, um, during, you know, before the interview, you know, I grew up in a family, you know, I'm in my 40s, where I grew up at a time where we really didn't, we didn't talk about mental health, right, and we didn't mm-hmm. talk about seeking help for mental health. So, mm-hmm. you're you're younger than me, but I was just wondering. You know, you, you mentioned one of your interests um, in going into psychiatry was that exposure to medicine with your mom working in the hospital. But what really drew you to becoming um, becoming a psychiatrist, you, choosing that field of medicine?
2: <laughs> that's, that's really funny. Um, I would say uh, because my mother wasn't, she did work uh, as a unit clerk and she did work as a unit clerk uh, on the psychiatry floor, but <laughs> uh, it, it's only in retrospect I, I think about it. Um, when I, when I was in the fifth grade, my mom uh, was. Uh, diagnosed with having a brain tumor. Uh, it was a meningioma. And uh, so uh, everything went well for her. She had the surgery uh, and uh, she recovered well from it. Uh, but it, during that time and that process, we talked to a lot of different doctors and I found out uh, a lot about the brain. So uh, for a long time, I thought like I was going to be a brain surgeon. Um, but uh, someone mentioned to me that, oh, well, brain surgeons really don't talk to people. Uh, you should really think about being a psychiatrist. And <laughs> I think I was maybe in middle school, and I was like, oh, well, that makes sense. Okay, well, I'll do that. And then it just kind of stuck with me. Uh, uh, I've always enjoyed listening to people's stories, uh, and uh, behavior is something that... Um, Really is uh, piques my interest, and so that's something I could see myself as I learn more about the field. It's something that I could do for years to come. That being said, I also grew up in a very similar uh, family where things happen, and we don't necessarily talk about those things, uh, or we, you know, you, you pray about it, or you know, you go to the church, uh, or maybe talk to your pastor about it, but, uh, actual, uh, uh, talking to a therapist or talking to a psychiatrist or even thinking about medication, what you say was something that we openly discussed. So currently though, that, that, is shifting a lot, especially with uh my generation. People talk more freely about uh going to see a therapist and a lot of uh low cost options uh that people can engage in to kind of uh, uh talk about these issues of mental health and how uh certain things that have happened to them are affecting them today and i'm i'm I'm
1: happy that there has been a shift in that in that thinking. So, just want to to go back a little bit to i'm so I'm, and I'm also happy that your mom your mom's outcome went you know your mom's your mom did well, and that, uh-huh. that that experience also you know provided you that opportunity to learn more about psychiatry so uh-huh. i think that I think the one thing that I think some people don't really realize well and to being a physician too, but it still took me a while to realize is that you know. A lot of times when we talk about mental health, right, or talking about therapy, you know, we, you know, we talk about adults seeking help from a therapist or a psychiatrist, uh-huh. but not uh-huh. a lot of us talk about the role of children and how a lot of, well, maybe from TV, right, you'll see that, oh, your mom and dad, you know, did something to you, messed you up, so that's the root <laughs> cause of your, your issues, but there are uh-huh. other things, right, and I think at, that sort of illustrates the fact that a lot of mental health, I think, starts in, in childhood. And I was wondering if you could speak to that. Why is that so important to address mental health um, with younger children?
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, because uh, you're right. You know, in addition to those things, that, uh, like your parents, whatever may have happened to them, I learned during my adult training. Uh, you know, I just wish I, you know, I'm listening to my patients, and I'm wishing I had the opportunity to just go back in time and kind of uh, address these issues uh before they kind of spun out of control specifically when you think about something that's traumatic uh and that trauma happens in in childhood uh what happens is if we don't have the right narrative about uh the situation we may be attributing thoughts about it uh that are incorrect and and that contributes to your feelings so essentially say something like you know your house burned down for uh, for instance and uh you may think, you know, you caused that that to happen when in actuality it could have been, you know, out of your control. But because you think that happened and then maybe something, you know, uh, was lost, and then you go around, you know, and you grow up as an adult with this, you know, sadness inside of you uh, on a false premise. So uh, that's just one example. But I, I kind of want to... Um, expand to uh, the kind of patients that we see because while we do see a lot of traumatized patients, there are also uh, kids with autism and developmental issues that we uh, also treat uh, as well. So um, it's important um, to address these things in childhood because, uh, God willing, these children are going to grow up into adults and uh, making sure that everybody has the right to have a, a fulfilling life no matter what. You know uh, uh, how you came into the world, so um, that's why I think it's, it's super important. Uh, uh, child psychiatry is super important for all of us.
1: So you mentioned a couple of conditions that um, are treated by psychiatrists or, or therapists. You talk about autism, attention deficit disorder. Are there mm-hmm. are those some of the most common um, mental health issues in children, or are there are there other are there others?
2: You know i think more commonly uh, mood issues like depression or anxiety go uh under detected in children uh, I, I don't think uh we are used to thinking of kids uh feeling depressed or worried or anxious so as long as the kid is not disruptive we kind of let kids Go go on is when they become disruptive, and you know the teacher can't teach their lesson or. If they start to hurt themselves, you know, we kind of, uh, okay, let's intervene then. But uh, I would imagine a more mood disorder, are so more common. But uh, that being said, with the use of uh, electronic devices and uh, the like, is there is a rise in, um, in ADHD. And uh, as our uh, measures become more sensitive, autism also is increasing over time. Uh, but I, I would say I would venture to say mood disorders are probably uh more prevalent.
1: Now it's interesting that you brought up, you know, the mood disorders like depression, anxiety. I think it just mm-hmm. was just it's just timely. My husband um shared with myself and, and my kids and also some family members an article about um an increase in anxiety related to cell phone usage. So there's an article mm-hmm. in E. D. News I think that came out like a, a couple of days ago. Or maybe mm-hmm. even today. And I found that I found that kind of fascinating. I mean, I've I've read, you know, some associations between social media use, use of the phone, mm-hmm. maybe with depression, mm-hmm. but I've also read articles that talk about, you know, that it's also an important tool for kids. There are like apps and stuff um to help with, you know, mindfulness or even help with with um, depression or kids can can talk to each other and kind of work work some things out. But have you have you found in your work this association or i mean i know you can't i know we can't say that it causes it but are you finding uh-huh. more kids feeling anxious because of social media or pressures with from social media
2: yeah i think we're just in uncharted territory. <laughs> Everything is so so new. I think our society is just faced with things that other people, uh, you know, older uh, uh, generations never had to really deal with. Uh, I do feel like the prevalence of anxiety has increased from, uh, and I do think social media is, is, uh, plays a role uh, because before, you know, you never knew that Sally down the street had, you know, a new bike and went to Disney World for her vacation but now you know you know all of that and you know they just got a pool in the backyard which makes you feel sad I I personally don't even have social media because <laughs> I noticed like every time I, I would go on to one of those sites I, I didn't feel it, it, it made me feel uh, not great so I just kind of I got rid of it myself for, uh, for that very reason um, that but I think too you um, Again, depending on your socioeconomic status, uh, the hyper-competitiveness of uh, wanting to uh, get just the right school and uh, just the right grades, uh, getting into just the right college so you can have just the right job also presents a lot of pressure. Uh, I feel that that economic pressure of uh, adults is kind of trickles down to their kids, um, which also contributes to this heightened level of anxiety.
1: For a parent who does have concerns um, about mental mental health or just you know just the well being of their kids, what would what would, what are recommendations for them about reaching out or asking like if I how do I find a therapist? How do we even go about knowing which mm-hmm.
2: one's the right one to, to choose for me? Psychiatry versus a therapist? You know, it depends on the person. If you uh, using your insurance is, is a resource if you have insurance. Uh, cause, uh, a, a lot of therapists, they do take it. Um, and, um, so have it and there are different types of therapists. You can have your, uh, PhD level therapists. Um, uh, you can also have, uh, uh, clinical social workers, uh, also provide a type of therapy. Uh, and it's just, uh, a, a difference in the type of school that, uh, they went to, uh, PhD therapists though are, uh, are doctors. As uh, you know, you probably know, but just for everyone else who might not know, uh, sometimes there are also nurses too that uh, provide sort sort of therapy too. When you start to get into uh, medications. That's when you uh, want to think about a psychiatrist, and medications can be used for things like ADHD that help with attention and focus or mood issues like anxiety or, or depression. There are also nurse practitioners that uh, also prescribe medications here in, uh, in Maryland, um, and again, it's just uh, a different cool so uh depending on you know reviews online asking family or friends that might be helpful or other people in your community um uh if you have a primary care physician they may have people that uh they send their patients to that might be helpful so uh, those that's kind of where i would i would start okay that's very helpful
1: because i think for some mm-hmm. you know, for some families you know i think it's it's not knowing where to go. They know that they need the help and they're which is which is I think the first start is acknowledging if you need the help, if your child needs the help. Mm-hmm. But then the next mm-hmm. part like you like you said is like finding out who, who and where. And I think those are great mm-hmm. suggestions for helping people sort of navigate that.
2: Yeah, um, and it might take a little while. I'm sorry, uh to cut yeah. you off. Uh just um just because you meet one person and you know you you feel like you don't mesh well don't be afraid to say that uh and depending on the psychiatrist or the therapist they may even say like our first few sessions is just a trial period to see if we can work with each other because uh it's it's you know it's not one size fits all you know you kind of gotta it's like a it's sort of like dating in that way you gotta find your fit
1: yes I think I mean, I think that's I think that's very, very true. I think you know you find you know, I personally have have used therapy and have found it helpful um and when I've needed it if if I've needed it for my kids when I've needed it for my kids right it it, mm-hmm. it is it has been it has been an interesting process to find to find the right one and then knowing like for what period of time you know you'll need therapy for um, but it but I definitely say it's beneficial for those who who want to, want to engage with, um, with a therapist. Mm-hmm. And I know for everyone, cause I was, you know, listening to a couple of programs, I listened to different podcasts and, and other programs. And then there are, you know, there are people, there are some people who say that, Oh, I didn't go to therapy. I didn't work for me. And then of course there are people who say, Oh, therapy was really helpful. So I think like you said, you know, it's this dating. You gotta, you've got to find the right fit for you. Mm-hmm. And if it doesn't mm-hmm. work out, then, you know, it's a process. It's a process, but as long as you, you know, you're willing to continue that continue that journey so that you can, you know, get the help that you need, the the appropriate help that you need for whatever length of time um you think that you might need it for.
2: Mhm. So I- yeah, And to keep an open mind. I'm I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Uh uh I I hear a lot of uh, uh when I was uh working with adults uh primarily uh people would say, you know, uh, African-Americans would come in and they're like, I only want to see an African-American woman, you know. And so there's only so many African-American women therapists. Uh, I, I think in this area, in uh, the DMV area, is an embarrassment of riches, you know, because there's so many uh, black professionals here. But uh, if you are in other parts of the uh, country, and might, you might not have that luxury. Uh, and so I would say to kind of keep an open mind again, sort of like dating, uh, you know, you never know who you might get along with. Uh, uh, uh so yeah, it, it, the, the point is about getting the help. And if you have to see somebody who is an African-American, uh, you know, having that conversation with, uh, with the therapist, is hopefully something that they bring up. Uh, but the, you, that, Therapist shouldn't be uh, uncomfortable talking to you about uh, things that affect you and, and your your race. If that is uh, some of the issues that uh, bring you to therapy. Okay, I think that's important.
1: Important. Thank you very much for for sharing that information. Mm-hmm. I think okay. that the other thing that sort of come up in this discussion about mental health for me, you know, some some issues that we've been dealing dealing with at work. And, you know, just public health and, and pediatrics in general is the fact that there's been a growing, there's been a rise in um, youth suicide. Mm-hmm. And, I think, um, mm-hmm. and some of the trend data, if I'm recalling correct, I think even younger kids, you know, there 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 have been disparities in, you know, differences in rates of certain diseases for, you know, certain certain groups um, based on race or socioeconomic status. But I think what was striking recently is reading articles that have, and even going to conferences and they, and they've mentioned this that there's sort of been a a change in the rates of African American youth suicide i think younger kids yeah. i think for yeah. it's like one of the first times that the rates are higher than white yeah. um white youth and i thought that was so striking but i didn't and so i wanted to talk to you a little bit about that and in, in the field have there been thoughts about you know why you know some some initial thoughts about why that that um, that change why that rise for young people I it mean, is well, well, but, people, I, And also that maybe that dis- that, that that disparity with um, black children
2: right uh so no the the bottom line no there's not any um we don't know why uh but that is true uh that the the rates for young african american kids in suicide have Uh, increased. Uh, Some have speculated it is uh, because of social media. Uh, I wonder about uh, development. Uh, Sometimes when uh, kids, uh, or when people, let's say people in general, uh, who uh, are struggling with suicide in particular, it's not necessarily that they want to die, they just want to stop feeling the way that they're feeling. And so, you know, at some point, you know, uh, children um, learn that death is permanent, but maybe, you know, uh, younger kids uh, around seven, I think uh, uh, they teach us that that's when kids learn that uh, death is permanent, but as you know, development is a spectrum. So maybe just wanting to feel better and not really realizing you know, the consequences of, of their behavior um, is is a thought that I had um, in addition to whatever they are being exposed with uh, on social media. Um, but it, it's alarming uh, to say the least. Having conversations with your kids and talking with your kids, even your very young kids. I think uh, when I uh, first Uh, started my training, I was surprised at how candid kids are when they talk to you about their feelings. And it's up to us as adults uh, to listen and address it. And it's pretty challenging to do with all the demands that uh, we have placed upon us, especially, you know, say you're a single parent and you're working two jobs and you have more than one kid, it may be hard to uh be able to listen uh and with your undivided attention uh, with to your child especially if you are uh you know uh thinking about whatever they're going through is you know oh just normal kid things but taking that uh that time the individual time with with your kid talking to them is important I think the the thing is with with suicide and this is suicide just generally with young kids with older kids a psychiatrist it's really hard for us to predict it um, the most uh, reliable uh, sign that we have is that if you've tried it once before then you will uh you you're at higher risk for trying it again. There are other mitigating factors uh including uh race uh having uh uh being a man uh having access to a gun so this conversation plays into a lot of other social issues uh that we are or discussions that we're having in our society and what we want our society to look look like uh but what I can tell Uh, people who may be listening and where this may be a concern, um, spending that quality time with your kids, even if it's just five minutes, giving uh, a child your undivided attention uh, can make a huge difference. I think the points that you brought up about
1: how parents, um, it's really important for parents to engage with their children and talk with them and and make time, you know, the quality time with kids. I'm wondering Mm -hmm. at some point, do parents, and it's just a you know just a parent parent question. Do we kind of forget that you know? Definitely, I think we think you know we def- most parents like when they're babies, we're going to spend a lot of time with our babies, our infants, <laughs> our toddlers. Mm-hmm. But I think around that middle school, the tween ages, like that right around middle school, is uh-huh. I think there's like a shift. I know for me that was a shift mentally. I'm thinking, well, they won't need me as much. I'm just going to drop them off, <laughs> pick them up. Mm-hmm. I wonder if sometimes, you know, if parents need to need to need to just be reminded a little bit that that's even a that's another important developmental stage where you really do have to engage, and it's not hands off as much as we'd like to think it should be hands off.
2: Yeah, yeah, but it's a balance because that's around the age they are trying to differentiate themselves from their parents, and they kind of want a little more independence. So I, I think. You know your instinct, you know on on some level, or most parents' instincts on some level, uh, there, there's some merit there because the kid is not necessarily pushing you away, but they're doing the you know the appropriate developmental thing and trying you know to find themselves. But uh, so, but being available um, to children and open uh, uh, from when they come. You know, just like you said with your son, like he came in and wanted to chat with you. So being available when they want to chat is super important and being non-judgmental about what they're going to tell you because, you know, they're trying to figure it out. And if they know, you know, you're going to fly off the handle about something, then they may be less likely to tell you these things and maybe, you know, going to God knows who to get this (laughs) information from.
1: Again, great reminder. Great reminder. I'm glad I'm talking with you. Because <laughs> um, I mean, I think, I think, I think the one thing that I love about talking with you and learning all these great things is that, the, and I guess just also reiterating for me is that the social, emotional, and mental health are really tied to the health and well-being of kids. And sometimes mm-hmm. I think we we might forget that. And I'm just. And just wanted to kind of I guess find out for you why why is that connection so important um for helping children?
2: It is uh, it is I feel like it's important for everyone. Um, you are children are little mirrors of us of your <laughs> of of parents. So if you are looking at your kid and you're wondering why you know he or she is soaking around the house and, uh, you know, not doing certain things or, uh, using words that you, uh, don't like, uh, maybe take a step back and see what you are portraying to this child, you know. I mean, there are, they're not exact carbon copies, copies of course, because kids come in with their own temperament and kind of their own uh, uh, purpose in this world. Uh, uh, However, there are some things, uh, there's quite a bit that they pick up. From us, Uh, so if you uh, and these are the people who are going to grow up, hopefully, and this is the society that uh, we hope to uh, uh, perpetuate and and live in. You know, so you want to make sure that you're doing a good job with raising your kids. So uh, I would say it's it's the basis of of everything that we (laughs) that we do. It's, It's it's super important if you care about. You know the world that you live in, then you should care about uh, the social and uh, emotional and physical health of, of of children. And again, I think, and again,
1: it's just a great reminder that when I when I reference children, the fact that you also mentioned um, adults as well, right? Because the adults are the parents, and mm-hmm. again, like you said, if they're not, if they don't feel mentally well or their mm-hmm. social emotional mm-hmm. well-being isn't together, their physical health isn't, isn't together. Then I think it, I think it is, it is harder to then try to do that for your kids or be there for your yeah. kids.
2: Absolutely. I see that every day that I see every day. And, you know, it's, it's a hard conversation to have dependent on the problem that, uh, the families come in with, uh, because, you know, people, it's a sensitive topic, <laughs> parenting. It's a very sensitive topic. No one wants to feel like they're a bad parent because everybody is doing the best that they can do. And, um, I, you know, I, I guess I would say no, no one's, uh, there's no judgment on the parenting uh, per se, but, uh, you know, if there are ways that we can improve, then uh, that's just going to only help the, your your child, and sometimes, you know, you when you know better, you do better, and it's been uh, cycles of things that have happened, because then what, what sometimes happens, depending on, you know, whether people stick with it or not, they start to think about their own childhood, and they start to think about how they were parented, and how they are doing, you know, only what you know, you only, you kind of only know what you know, and then they kind of have the realization, like, oh, well, maybe I wasn't treated well as a child either, so uh, you're you're kind of healing a lot of stuff and and trying to address those emotional issues with the, the child because the child comes in and they're kind of like uh, you know they're factory settings they they don't really know much you know they they know what we teach them so um, you know maybe you know that hopefully ideally that uh, the process when you are going through therapy and family therapy causes the entire family to kind of. Uh, uh, look, take a step back, kind of look at things and see if there if there are any uh, issues that need to be addressed, uh, e- even in the parents. Again, in a non judgmental way, okay.
1: which is which I think it which hopefully parents will will definitely appreciate because especially when they're again if they're already looking for help to know that the person that they're gonna seek help from is will be non judgmental. I think hopefully makes it easier um to, to establish that relationship and to to get the help um that they'll that they'll and support that they'll need as a family.
2: And more people talking about it like you in your podcast, you know, it it destigmatizes it. You know, everybody has stuff, you know? Oh I love that stuff, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Won't
1: go into all the stuff, but I can. Right, say, there's a lot of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um. Now I, you know, we talked. We touched a little bit about the link. I guess you know there is a link between mental health and and physical health, and like the areas that I kind of wanted to, to touch touch on regarding that, and to get your get your thoughts were sleep and diet.
2: Mm-hmm. You
1: know what we eat. How how important are those to um, maintaining or even improving uh, mental health? Oh,
2: super, super, super important. I talk about sleep a lot with my patients uh, because it is hard, uh, for instance, as ADHD, kids with ADHD, uh, if they are already have issues with attention and focus and hyperactivity and then you add being tired on top of that. There's no way that this kid is going to be able to uh, to function in school and during the day. So uh, sleep is something that I, I tackle. And, and if the sleep schedule is completely reversed, then I won't even uh, – there are some instances where I wouldn't – consider medication until the sleep's better you know because <laughs> the kids just may be tired and that's why they're not focusing so let's get this kid eight hours of sleep uh and that's where we talk a lot of it a lot about the uh, electronic use and uh, video games and 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 all that and going right into your diet if the kid has issues with their weight you know they're not uh eating fresh fruits and vegetables and uh, they are packing on, you know, they have an extra 20 pounds, and, uh, you know, they may be, be ethnic, uh, which I've seen uh, in kids. Uh, so uh, that also interests sleep. So making sure um, these uh, – I've seen, you know, kids even be, you know, overweight, even on the stimulant, even though it decreases their appetite, uh, because what they're eating when they do eat is um, uh, a lot of processed foods. So uh, we talked a lot about the MyPlate uh, 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 diagram on myplate.gov, uh, how half of your plate should be from some vegetables. But, again, uh, having access to that uh, uh, varies uh, uh, quite significantly depending on uh, where you live. Uh, but making sure uh, at, at school lunch, you know, they're supposed to be offering these options, uh, and making sure you know these kids are incentivized for making healthy choices is something that I think we as adults can do a lot better.
1: So it really sounds to me that when you you know when you go to a therapist, it's not just it's not just a therapy session, right? You're meeting the needs of the family of the child. And if you need to talk about sleep, you talk about sleep. If you need to talk exactly. about um, physical health, you talk about physical health or, you know, provide mm-hmm. resources for them. So it's really sort of like it's, it's a holistic and it really sort of emphasize, reemphasizes the importance of this connection, the mind-body-spirit, I think.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. And ideally, I I have access to their pediatrician as well. So making sure I have permission to contact the pediatrician, be like, oh, I saw such and such in the office. You know, they gained 15 pounds. (laughs) I just want to let you know their blood pressure's up, you know. So definitely, I I uh one of the other jobs that I do is uh consult for uh pediatricians. So um uh I, I love the teamwork. I love being able to tie up every aspect of a kid's life. I, I contact schools, you know, kids with ADHD, they me need, they need uh, different accommodations uh to help them get through school. So being in contact with the school is also something that I uh someone that I talk to quite frequently.
1: So this has been a great conversation. I'm hoping parents who are listening or even grandparents, guardians that are listening are, you know, definitely have a little bit more resources for um, issues that they, your concerns that they have about their kids and even themselves. And um, this has been a great conversation. Thank you, Dr. Cotton.
2: Oh, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of What is Black Podcast. And I'd like to thank our guest again, Dr. Veronica Cotton, for joining us to talk about this important issue of mental health. If you or a loved one are in crisis, please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-TALK. That's 1-800-273-8255. Or you can contact the crisis text line by texting the word T-A-L-K, talk. To 741741. Until next time.